0: Let's give them something to talk about. Something to talk about. Let's give them
1: something to talk about. To talk about. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Executive Assistant of Rumi, and uh, you are tuned in to another edition of a Something to Talk About, a pre Pesach edition of Something to Talk About. I know at first uh, some of you may have thought that this was Randy Wartelsky with a cold, uh, but it is not. Randy could not make it today, but she felt that this uh, topic was extremely important as people are harried and frenzied and getting ready for Pesach. And so we are soldiering on, and hopefully uh, I will do uh, justice to the show, and she will be happy and not regret uh, asking me to uh, come in uh, and sit in for her. Uh, many of you might know me from some of the other stuff that I do here at the Nachum Siegel Network, such as Saturday Night Siegel or various other programs that I sit in on uh from time to time and I believe Randy will be back again I guess the week uh following Pesach uh via Hashem and uh, so as I had mentioned uh today we are focusing on Pesach and uh getting ready for Pesach I know that uh, many people like myself uh kind of just jump into it uh with both feet or uh just without pretty much any preparation or any kind of uh goal you know we just know oh it's pesach coming we got to clean we got to cook we got to do whatever and we kind of just hope that all the pieces kind of just uh, fall into place and uh, i guess randy knew that there are many people out there uh like that and so the goal of her show uh, was kind of like at least for the last few days of doing this and kind of getting us in a good headspace to have someone on the show that can help kind of like organize things and help us get our ducks in a row as uh, we are in the uh, final countdown. And so uh, welcoming back to the show, uh, Randy had invited Esther Simon, MSW, from the traditional home organizer. And I have here a little bit about her. Um, Esther Simon, MSW, is a mother of seven and a member of the National Association of Professional Organizers, otherwise known as uh, NAPO or NAPO, she'll let us know. Esther obtained a master's degree from the Wurzweiler School of Social Work in New York City. Shortly after the birth of her seventh child, she started her own business, helping people organize their lives. She has become known as the traditional home organizer, specializing in time management, home organizing, and helps her clients organize every aspect of their home, including decluttering their spaces, setting up file systems, while raising her children, Esther volunteered at a private Jewish day school in Clover City and also served as the PTA president. So as you can see, a very good person to uh, have on the air to sort of help us get uh, focused on this uh, often feared uh, great holiday. So when uh, I say uh, welcome back to the program, uh, Esther.
2: Thank you, thank you, Remy. You know, as many of the listeners have heard, I was on the air with Randy on February 28th, and if you need a general organizing kind of how-to background, you can uh, stream that. But today, Randy wanted to uh, talk about Pesach. So I told her in the beginning that I really like giving classes on getting ready for Pesach right after Purim, to spend the whole month taking it slow, dividing out the tasks day by day, spending maybe an hour, 20 minutes, leading up to that final, magical, wonderful Seder day, which will be on Monday night, the 25th of March. So since we're talking here on Thursday afternoon, I'm going to kind of fast forward (laughs) for everyone and just kind of give like nine pointers. So I kind of divided up some of the main areas for our last crunch. I'm going to assume that our listeners have done their major cleaning out if they wanted to, their major decluttering if they wanted to, they've gotten their carpets cleaned if they wanted to, they've cleaned their cars if they've had the time and, you know, they want to get it detailed. So we're going to focus on what we can do starting Thursday night, you know, tonight or maybe tomorrow morning leading up till Monday night. So with that in mind, Rami, let's talk about the mom who needs or the listener who needs to prepare for a Shabbos meal.
1: I think what we did, we went the easy way out. We made sure to get invited out for one of the meals. So that way we only have to deal with one of them. That might be <laughs> that might be a way to <laughs> the go. Truth,
2: <laughs> the truth is Romy, I did the same thing. But um I was lucky because I have close friends that uh, you know, since I'm having such a big Seder, they're happy to entertain me. Um you know, over is because they're going to be at my house Monday night. So that kind of um, one hand washes the other. But let's say you did not get invited out, and it's too late and you live in a situation where you can't. So you can do two, one of two things. You can cater your meals. You could, you know, go to the the local uh, kosher catering thing and get some meal mart or wherever you live and get a full meal. Or you could cook pesta you could make your chicken and potatoes and steam some vegetables and then just have some, you know, bought challah on the table and be careful with your crumbs, um, and you're okay. So you could do one of those two things, or get, or three things. One, get invited out last minute, cater your meal, or make a pesadik meal and just bring in the challah on a paper plate. Maybe if you're in a small, small apartment, maybe eat the challah in a different part of the dining room, or a different part of the house so you can collect the crumbs if your house is truly all pasted, all finished. If it's only half, then you can Saturday night vacuum the crumbs and you still have time to, you know, clean up, turn over on Sunday if you're a good rapid cooker and you can cook Sunday night and Monday. So that takes care of that actual Shabbos meal. So I want to bring it to Saturday night and Sunday. So most people... If they're making seder, they are going to be cooking on Sunday and Monday.
3: Right.
2: Many people have kosher um, Pesach kitchens, and they've been doing it way in advance and been freezing. But this is this talk is really for the people who are cooking Sunday and Monday. So I want to give my best organizing cooking tips. And when I share this with a lot of my um, uh, people who attend my classes, Every my most popular class during the year is the panic preparing for a panic-free Pesach. I give that class every year for the last 15 years, sometimes four times in different locations in Los Angeles, and it's one of the most popular courses, even more than the 101 home organizing class that I give. So this tip is after you've shopped everything and you're ready to really assemble and start cooking, I would set out on your kitchen counter maybe five six different bowls and do what I call an assembly line of cooking. I would peel all the five pound bag of onions I would peel the five pound bag of potatoes I would peel my I would clean off my celery, peel my carrots, peel my cucumbers, wash my tomatoes, clean the zucchini if you're peeling it, washing it, cut off the tips. Prepare all the vegetables that you bought for your menu for, as the ingredients. Prepare them in bowls. And then let's say you're making soup first. Set out your four different – there's four meals this year. Set out four soup pots and start assembling. Let's say you're making a chicken soup. So you're going to grab a clean onion, celery, carrots, maybe a tomato if you put it in it, maybe a zucchini. You've cleaned your chicken. Let's say you've got five chickens cleaned and have them cut up, and that's sitting in another bowl. Now you can assemble a chicken soup. Let's say you want to go to the next bowl, next pot, and you want to assemble a potato soup. So you grab a bunch of potatoes, maybe another onion, celery, and then you've got your potato soup ready to go. So you can go down the line. Let's say you want to make a carrot soup or a zucchini soup or an onion soup. As you already have prepped the vegetables, you are it's going to be easier for you to assemble that pot and put it on the four burners. So this way you can make four soups at the same time. But what happens if you only have one pot or two pots? You can go ahead and cook those first two soups, have the other bowls ready to prep. When that soup that is already cooked and cooled, you could transfer it into a Ziploc freezer bag, thick container, or a Tupperware, clean off the pot, and start again. And you can store the soups that are ready-made for warm-up over Yantiv in the refrigerator, either in the Ziploc or a Tupperware container. How's that sound to you?
1: Yeah, it, sounds, uh, it sounds really good.
2: Pretty efficient, right? Yeah. So that's with your soups. Let's say you're making salads. Okay, let's say you want to make a cucumber salad, you want to make a carrot salad, maybe you want to make a, a coleslaw, or maybe you want to make an Israeli salad same thing you've got the cucumbers peeled the peppers cleaned off and cut up you've got the carrots peeled if it's a carrot salad onions the same thing you can take ziplocs containers and start making the salads and adding your vinegar or your sugar and voila you have four different healthy salads my son came home from school yesterday he's in uh, in 10th grade and he said he was talking to his gym teacher, and they were saying the way to stay healthy over Pesach is not to eat anything that came from a box. <laughs> so isn't that interesting? You so, mean matzah? <laughs> well, not, oh, matzah has to come from, you know, matzah, right. I guess you don't have a choice. But what about all those, um, you know, stripes and cookies and, and uh, what's that called, Um mando broit and, and macaroons and all that um, Right fake cake meal, you know, all that stuff that really is a lot of calories and time-consuming and expensive, yeah. right? So so then we've done the salads. What if we want to do kugels? Everyone's into kugels over Pesach, right? Yeah. So you've got your potatoes, potato kugel, your carrot, potato, zucchini kugel, maybe your marza, far full, um what's your favorite, a Um Oh,
1: for kugel-wise? I'm a yeah. potato kugel guy. Potato, I kind of keep it uh, kind of simple. Okay,
2: but- some people will make a zucchini with it. They'll mix the zucchini, but you've got the idea, right? That you're prepping and you're doing what's called massive cooking, and it's pretty painless because you spent the first hour in the morning just peeling, cleaning, peeling. Then you've thrown away the peels, and you've got clean, fresh vegetables to do the cooking. It's actually less cleanup because the alternative would be. To make one pot of chicken soup, peel the potato, uh, right. I mean, keep peel doing the, the, same onion, the same thing with breaks. Same thing. Clean yeah. up. Have this. All these um, interruptions and distractions. Cleaning the knife, putting it away, cutting the cutting board, taking out the trash. It's too many distractions, and it's not a nice flow. Right. Remember, in the whole theme of organizing, it's all in the planning and using your time wisely. So those are your soups your salads, your starch, which is a potato kugel, and then let's talk about chickens or meats. Let's say you cleaned your five chickens. Then you, a lot of people use disposable pans, right, because it's just easy.
3: Yeah, yeah. So
2: you lay out your four disposable pans, and maybe one of them you're going to put chicken with wine on, with mushrooms. Maybe one you're going to put uh, duck sauce on top. Maybe one you're going to make chicken cacciatore like I am with vegetables. Maybe the other one you're going to put a roast in, a London broil, and you're just going to season it. Maybe the other one you're going to put a turkey in it, and you've got onions on the bottom and potatoes around the side. So whatever your meats or chickens are, you have them all done at the same time, and you can pop them into the oven. Depending on the size of your oven, you can rotate them. If you don't have enough space, you could put it in aluminum or Ziploc and do it later. The same thing can be with gefilte fish or falsha fish or salmon. You can huh. prep all this at the same time.
1: You know about falche fish, huh?
2: I do. I make that all the time. All of
1: my friends, they look at me like I'm from outer space when I say falche fish. They don't know what it is. I grew up eating it. it was...
2: Well, you know what it is. My, I grew up eating it also, And My husband's allergic to fish. So the key for my listeners, falsha fish is just like making gefilte fish, but it's ground chicken.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So ground up the chicken, either in the food processor, ask the butcher to make it like that, and you're going to mix it with matzo meal and a little carrots and onion seasoning, and you're going to boil it in a pot that has celery and carrots and a little sugar in it. And voila, an hour la- later, you've got um, falchel fish that looks like matzo balls. So that's how we eat it. Yeah. Okay, and then I make my own crane, So that makes a, an added touch. Okay, so that from so that, um, me is my cooking tip. Let's move on. What do you feed your kids when you're turning over the kitchen and everything is upside down? You're, like, too busy prepping and your kids are starving. So my biggest advice, and this is maybe the number one advice I would give to all mothers. Now, keep in mind, I'm a mother of seven. I just, yesterday, had my 10th grandchild.
1: Wow, mazel tov.
2: So thank you. So my biggest tip to busy moms, and believe me, I've been there, and I'm still there now, So when you wake up in the morning, I want you to plan breakfast, lunch, and dinner first. So that means Sunday morning, Monday morning, cut up fruits and vegetables, make some watermelon, cantaloupe, uh, strawberries, and just, you know, uh, pineapple, whatever your city has, put a bowl of fruit on the table. Then take some hard-boiled eggs and put that on the table. You know, because we can't eat matzo right now, so you have that. Hard boiled eggs. Take, um <clears throat> if you want to make some scrambled eggs. Or maybe you want to, um, what would you want? make? Some latkes. Oh, yeah. Take, yeah. like latkes for breakfast. That's not bad. So that's your quick, quick breakfast, okay? Now it's different if you've got a part of your garage for hummets. A lot of people here in California, because our weather's so perfect, we have garages that, we um, will set up a table and leave our hummets out in the laundry room, in the garage, and you have your toaster oven. So if you're able to do that, you can serve pizza and hummus out in the garage. But we're talking about the people who the whole kitchen now is ready for Pesach. So if you want to feed them Pesach food, I would say have some fresh fruit and some hard-boiled eggs, and then lunchtime, now again, you're making this early in the morning, make up a vegetable soup. Go put some, vegetable soup, uh, some vegetables together and make a soup for lunch or make um, some chicken, some chicken wings or or little polkas for the kids that are, are um, you know, seasoned. And they have chicken and Israeli salad for lunch. And make dinner. Make a little roast or make a little chicken or make a little something that you're also making for Pesach Seder, but make it for Sunday night dinner so you don't have to order pizza in or out. A lot of pizza, I mean, the pizza parlors in L.A., look forward, that's their biggest um, money rent, you know, money intake is Sunday night pizza, right? Right. But let's say the family lived too far from the pizza place or didn't want to wait in line or, you know, tired of eating it because they ate it tonight. You know, they ate it Wednesday night, they ate it Thursday night. So they can make a nice Pesach meal without the matzah because they made it in the morning and when the kids wake up, sometimes they wake up kind of late on Sunday because there's no school. They smell the house cooking, and they walk into the kitchen. They go, Mommy, I'm hungry. And Mommy doesn't have to say, no, I'm too busy cooking for Seder. There's no food to eat. Like That's totally absurd, right? Because you've been cooking, and you can't even feed your own kids. So the first, so the first thing you want to do is have things on the table so they can't even say that to you. They're, like, looking at the table and saying, oh, my goodness. There's fruit, and there's you know, strawberries and watermelon and cut up um, – might be, there might even be almonds and nuts – and there might even be some chocolate, and there might even be some um, sorbet. You know, all this yummy food that they're not going to be starving and bug you and pull your apron strings while you're prepping your food. How's that sound? Are you hungry yet?
1: Sounds good, yeah. It's been a while since I had
2: lunch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. okay, So that's what I would feed my kids. Now, how are you going to occupy your kids on Sunday and Monday? You mean exactly. other than
1: plopping them in front of a movie or something?
2: <laughs> okay, right. So I grew up in the days when I didn't have a computer for my kids. remember my oldest is 29. We didn't, um, you know, I grew up, I raised my children without a television. The computer wasn't around back then when they really, you know, like it is today for my little, you know, the younger ones or my 15-year-olds. Of course, you can watch a movie. But let's say you didn't want to plop in front of the computer or a movie or computer games. Let's say you wanted them to help you. Well, think of some of the tasks that they can do. Maybe Sunday you want to give them a squirt bottle and they can wash the windows because it's fun. Maybe you want to teach them how to um, make place cards, place mat place cards for the table, an art project that is useful. Maybe you want them to um, sort some kind of you know vegetables for you. Maybe hand you stuff. You can. Put the toddler in the high chair really close to you, put on some Uncle Moishi music, whatever you like listening to, and let them watch you peel. Or you can hire a teenager who has nothing to do the whole day, doesn't want to help her mother, and you can hire them to take the kids to the park.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know if the weather is so good for that this year.
2: We're (laughs) on the East
1: Coast. (laughs) Right,
2: right. So then maybe you can have one of the teenagers hire them to put them down in the basement or in a different in someone's house that has that extra room, or off to the side, and they can play, you know, mock seder with them. Yeah. I tell you the interesting thing, years ago, my daughters used to um, conduct the mini-camp the day before Pesach, and they would have a camp in the backyard or, you know, in another part of the house, and they would make a mock seder, they would do an art project. They would do all kinds of little fun stuff, and they would invite the neighborhood kids. They would charge like $5 a day for the kid, which was nothing for the mother. And meanwhile, they'd get like 10 kids, and they made $50 in three hours.
1: Yeah, I think there was now, a couple that advertised near us as well that did that. That are Yeah, you, could, that.
2: you know, now you could probably have a mother charge $20, and the kid's walking away with $100 after two hours. So that ain't bad for a 15-year-old or even a 12-year-old. So occupying your kids either with your own activities or hiring a kid in the neighborhood. The other thing is, believe it or not, and this is pretty amazing, sometimes children would rather help your neighbor than you, swap kids. My daughter sometimes has more fun helping my neighbor next door, and my neighbor's next door, same-age daughter, would rather be at my house. Just change of environment. You're not helping your mom, but it's fun to help the other mom. So think about like a a swap, almost like a buddy system. So that might work also. Or you send both girls out to do something in your house, you know, your 12 year olds, 15 year olds, and the other ones. The harder thing is when you have a 5-year-old or, you know, a toddler. That's when you either break up your activities to do things much more on Saturday night or much more on Sunday night, or involve them in smaller, do 20 minutes of, prepping work, you might not have three hours all together to do your cooking.
1: Yeah, that's what we're dealing with. We have, um, well, we just recently had a baby just before Purim.
2: Oh, good model to do. Good. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. And so we have also, and then we have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. So we're going to have to be, uh, juggling and, uh, seeing in how we can get them involved. We recently got a, um, one of those mini electric sweeper, like the mini vacuum cleaners, which, right, right. which now they can do instead of the big vacuum, which they're afraid of. So now they argue over which one of them will get to, like, right. vacuum a room and stuff. So. Right.
2: And but, I bet your wife will just probably send you out for three hours with the kids to the zoo or to the museum or something, which I used to do. We used to send the kids out when, you know, with a relative that was coming to town, and then just the oldest child got to stay home with me, and she thought it was a big treat. And she still remembers, you know, she's 29 now, but she remembers when she was five years old that she got to go to the fruit and vegetable store with me and in those days they would cut up the oranges ahead of time and they would let you taste them. So she thought it was so cool that she She was the only one who got to pre-taste all the fruits. So it depends. You can make one child feel very special and send out the other ones to go play. So, you know, there's choices. Um, So that brings me to maybe some of the fun things to do with kids while you're prepping down for Pesach. So a lot of kids, you know, Sunday night is when we're doing doing our Bikir hummets, right? Right. Rami?
1: Yeah, we're doing Bikir Chomets so, on Sunday night this year, yeah.
2: Right. So what I've done over the years is, you know, we all hide 10 pieces of bread, right, and put them in aluminum foil and make a list of where you're hiding them is my advice because sometimes you forget. It's always been my job to um, hide them around the house and my husband does the blessing and, you know, takes the kids and everyone follows him, Right. So during that time, I also took a bunch of $1 bills and some $5 bills, and I hid them around the house, or I hid pieces of candy around the house, and my kids would have to go looking for it. So they helped do Biker Chometz, but they got an immediate reward. And with those dollar bills, the girls would get manicures, or they would go out for last minute coffee bean here or last minute candy. Um, and they would have really a lot of fun looking for that money.
1: Wow, that's a really good idea.
2: Isn't that cool? Yeah. Hide candy under the couch, and they go, oh, look what I found. And they are all over the house, and they're excited, and they're not letting Daddy just do it. They're involved, and the truth is I just sit back waiting for them to come with the collection. And they get it right then, and I hide it in places where they should have been looking for chumets. So um, I think that's fun, and right. I dreamt that up all by myself. <laughs>
1: I think we'll try that this year. I'll let you know how it goes.
2: (laughs) It's so fun. Okay, let me know. So now um, we are on uh, Monday. So Monday um, is really a uh, busy day. So that's when you can start taking off your general checkoff list. I have a long checkoff list that I actually got from my friend and colleague, um Rivka Selkin, who lives in Baltimore. She has a great um organizing business uh called JewishLifeOrganize.com, and sometimes we compare notes and talk. And she has a great... um air uh checklist, and it includes things like setting the table, uh, opening up the seals for diapers and cans and wine bottles, the sil- polishing silver, cutting foil, toilet paper, preparing candlesticks, uh, preparing the alarm for any kind of um, alarm modifications, putting up the black, filling up hot water, adjusting the heat or the air conditioning, setting timers, turning the oven on and off, making sure the food's fully cooked, the toys away, the laundry is in, beds are made, the shopping's done. That you had time to call your family, turn off the refrigerator light, take showers, cut your nails, uh put tissues in the bathroom, uh, and make sure the dishwasher's empty. Um, things that you need for the table: setting up the seder table, seder plate, the maror, the carpas, the eggs, the cheroset, the shank bone, the lettuce. Um, preparing the three matzahs, getting extra matzahs, making sure you have enough grape juice, wine, cup for Eliyahu, um, salt water on the table, enough wine glasses for each person at the table, the Alpi Komen bag, the pillows to recline, the Haggadahs, checking the matzah to make sure they're not broken, using a plastic tablecloth, candies for people who have good questions and answers. Have you heard of that, Mandy? I used to get candy uh, for the kids, and when they asked good questions, I gave them candy at the table, kind of threw it at them, and they would, like, love it.
1: Oh, we hadn't done that yet, but I think, uh, yeah, that's a good idea, too. It's
2: very fun. Uh, Props, maybe you want to get some props to recreate the Ten Plagues? Actually, Um,
1: we had a Seder uh, a couple years ago where friends of ours... Took a um a blue tarp, you know that looked yes. like water, and put it up in one of the hallways of their house, yes. and did cutouts of fish and other stuff. And when it yes. time came, time to talk about going um with the going through the splitting of the sea, we actually yes. walked through that hallway, and they had candies hanging on the wall
2: for the fun. kids to take
1: to make it more experiential.
2: Very fun, huh? Yeah, yeah, my my daughter also used to create um recreate it in the dining room. Very fun. Then you can even have some immediate Afikoman prizes. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, an extra tablecloth here and there, if there's a spill, extra napkins. So that's a nice checkoff list. So you want to think of those things in mind on Monday while you're making your Seder plate, while you're making the things I just talked about, um, getting an early start on the bath, maybe getting an early... You know, you can pretend that Pesach is two hours before it really is. (laughs) Instead of saying... Oh, let's see what time it's going to be here in California. Um, Instead of saying it's 6.50, is candle lighting time, you can say it's at 4.50 and use that last two hours to put up your feet and rest. And I really am rested before I come, when I light the candles and wait for the men to come home from shul and sit at my theater table because I've started early enough. It's all in the planning Begin with the end in mind is one of the seven habits of Stephen Covey, which is my go-to time management guru. And he had always said that first things first, you know, do the most important thing first and begin with the end in mind. know where you want to be when all is said and done. So I know that I want to be sitting pretty with my hands manicured and everything nicely done. When candle lighting happens, I don't want to be running around the kitchen and thinking of something I forgot. So that's kind of what I want to be doing on Monday. What I would like my listeners to be doing on Monday, because they can, because today is Thursday, and they can plan backwards. It's still enough time to send your clothes to the cleaners and tell them to, you know, put a rush on it and pick it up Monday morning.
1: Yeah, and it's always nice to make that list when you when you find yourself. Uh, Crossing things off the list, you really it, feel, it puts perspective and it makes you feel like, oh, I've accomplished, I've accomplished, I've accomplished. Isn't
2: it the truth? It's yeah. the greatest thing. I love lists. And you can make a smaller list for your kids. You can make one putting away toys. You can make one, um, you know, ha- having your dress hung up, your pants together. You know, I had a, uh, checklist. It wasn't a checklist. It was a small list of, um, chores I needed the children to do. And I let them pick out which ones they wanted to do. I would have, have six daughters and a son, so for the six girls, I would have different chores, and whoever got to that list first would get to do it. So one of them liked doing the dining room, one of them liked doing the bookshelf. one of them liked looking at the hall closet. one of them liked you know preparing the candy bags for um for the question and answers at the at the seder table. So try to match up the activity that you need done with the age appropriate for the children that you have at home. Mm-hmm. And that's really is to think of what the child can do, and you can even ask them, instead of telling the kids what to do, give them choices. I call this the executive um, exec- executive processing choice. Um, it's called um, executive, uh, executive ex- um, activity. It's teaching kids how... To make decisions and how to know what the priority is, how to note, change one task from another, following directions. So you can say to them, what do you want to do this Pesach? What do you want to do on Monday that would help the whole family? This is a whole team approach, a whole family um, holiday. So I want your input, I want you to be involved, so pick something that they might just want to cut up fruit. They might want to just set the table. They might just want to make a welcoming um, sign at the door. They might want to use a squirt bottle and wash the windows. They might want to just water the lawn outside. They might want to just um, get the Haggadah books out and put them on the table. You never know what they they might want to do, a harder task or an easier task. Whatever it is, accept their involvement. Make them feel good about it. Remember that old saying that you're, you're... Uh, Dust is not hummus, and your children are not um, the carbon Pesach or something. (laughs) Right? Is that how it went?
1: Something of that
3: nature, Something like that, right?
2: (laughs) So you really want, you know, I tell everyone I know that my children are my most important guests. I cater my food and my lifestyle and my habits and my priorities to my children. And that's who you are making this holiday for. Right. So, I want to jump to, um, um.
1: Just one, you know, well, maybe what we'll do is, um, we'll take a little bit of a, of the music break now.
2: Right. And then,
1: uh, and then we'll come back, uh, to talking about, uh, I guess having guests over for Pesach and, uh, the kind of, uh, havoc or goodness that can bring. I <laughs>
2: uh, love that. Love that.
1: All right. So, here we okay. go. This is going to be, uh, uh, Izzy Kiefer and friends off a CD called, uh, Let There Be Peace. And, uh, you are tuned into something to talk about here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And, uh, we'll be right back.
0: I say yeah, 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 hear me now, I say yeah, listen what I say, I say yeah. On Allah tonight, me eat like me please, me sit in me, lean in whatever I please, but tonight me have right to be treated like a king, declining like royalty, in the labor I need. What make a dislike? So different from all other night. I, I say, yeah. what I say. I say yeah. So I'll break to jaw. who split at the sea. Just to feed them from the land of slavery Who lead eye and eye from darkness to light So my brothers and my sisters celebrate this night What make it this night So different from all other
1: All right, that was Izzy Kiefer and friends off of a CD entitled Let There Be Peace uh, with uh, What Make This Night, the uh, Manashtana Reggae, and uh, you are tuned in to something to talk about. Uh, This is Executive Assistant of Remy sitting in for Randy Waratelsky this week, and our very special guest this week is Esther Simon, who's giving us some great tips about managing and making a, uh, and streamlining our process to, uh, great Pesach Seder's, and I guess from that, uh, sprouting from that, hopefully a great, uh, Pesach holiday. And, uh, uh, I guess Esther wanted to discuss now, um, the idea of which many people are going to be having guests and family converging on their homes come, uh, either before Shabbos or Sunday or Monday. And kind of like how to deal with uh, what ensues with that kind of thing,
2: right? So, I've never had out-of-town guests other than my immediate family for Pesach. So, I want to give two scenarios because there's a lot of um, lot of articles I've read in different Jewish magazines about having your children, your married adult children, come home, and some of them want to treat your home like a vacation spot. Some of them want to help. Some of them invade on your privacy. You're so used to not having them home. So there's all different kinds of chemistries and and behavioral and um, kind of dynamics that occur. So the number one thing for the homeowner is to gear up for it, to prep up for it, to know that they are going to be invade Their privacy and their space is going to be invaded. But they invited them. So, you know, you know, um, Be careful what you ask for, right? (laughs) (laughs) So everyone wants their kids to come home, but it comes with a price. So hopefully you've prepared for it, meaning that you've made their beds and you have some space in the house for them to put their things. And that means that you've had enough food in the house for them. But there are shortcuts. One of the shortcuts is to use paper plates. I know one particular family that sets up a um, folding table, an extra folding table in her house, and treats it like a... I want to call it like a hotel, like a buffet. She has all the paper plates and water and juices and sodas and nosh, whether it's nuts or cookies, you know, piece of cookies, kind of always there. You know those sweet rooms in those hotels? Yeah. Is that what they call them, sweet rooms?
1: Um, tea rooms.
2: Tea rooms, tea rooms, right. So the t- set up a little section of your house like a tea room. So there's always food there, so they're not always asking you, you know, mommy or hostess or, you know, whoever you are, um, you know, my daughter's hungry, I'm hungry, my baby's hungry, I'm hungry, you know, um, can I have this, can I have that? Have it all laid out. Leave the extra tissue box there. Leave the drinks there. Leave the paper plates there. Leave plastic sports. Leave the trash can under it so they can throw it away. Just you're a mini hotel this week. So um, set up for it, you know. Make yourself prepared for it. The whole big thing in organizing is being prepared. Now, in return, if a guest really does say to you, how can I help, don't say, well, nothing, everything's done already. Think of something small they can do because they do want to help. And instead of pretending you're superwoman and you have it all in control, let's, you know, cut the toilet paper. Let them... um, Oh, entertain your kids. Let them uh help you set the table. Let them do something. Find something that you think that they wouldn't mind doing. Now if the if you have a sense that they're just saying that, then you can say to them, you know, I'm so glad that you um wanna help, but you know, maybe I'll ask for your help later on during the week or maybe later on. Is there something else you would rather be doing, or can I help you get to where you want to go. Sometimes they were here at a tour and you just need to give them the directions to, you know, the mall or the or whatever store they want to get new shoes at or something. So you can be helpful to them by get, keeping them busy so they're out of your hair, so to speak. So it depends on your relationship with either the child or the guest. Can you visualize that?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, actually, we had the past couple of years we were hosting uh my parents at our mm-hmm. home for the seder. It was the first times we ever made the the seder. So I know that definitely, you know, there's that whole thing of like you want the umptive to be good, and you want to just there is a little bit even though you're like so happy to see family or friends, there's also this added worry or a stress that like are you giving them a good time and and you know are the things that you got that are are they things that. um that they particularly like, did you make sure to get foods or things that they need for their diet or for, uh, whatever? So, right. it definitely comes with, like, the joy and the happiness of having them there definitely adds a little bit, uh, uh, to the, uh, stress of making sure that everyone is having a good time without stepping on each other.
2: Right. So you can pre ask them if they, if they have any dietary or medical needs, you can ask them ahead of time <laughs> to, um, You know, what it is. Say, do you need extra Tylenol? Do you need extra pillows on your bed? You know, would you need um, directions to a certain store? Do you need seltzer water? Do you only need purified water? You know, are you allergic to do you need any type of certain matzah? Or however you can have it, plan ahead and go get it and put that on your checklist. I think that's. I think involving your guests or getting them happy might be the key but it's all in the planning. Right. I think that would do it. I don't think there's a shortcut. The only real big shortcut is paper and plastic wear. I think that cuts down for the washing the dishes and the pots. So use as much disposable as you can, um, and that will ease off the pain of having the gas and the mess. You know, take out the trash often, um, you know, just... A lot of good communication, you know, asking them, are they happy? Can I? Can you do something for them? Can they do something for you? I think when we assume, just in general, if we assume that their needs are met or our needs are met, that um, and it's not, that's when the discomfort comes to be. So a lot of it's just in the communication. Not those funny looks you do, you know, um, all those smirks you give, you know, you really want to be able to communicate right. and, and have a nice time at it, because it really can be nice. You know, getting rid of the is really getting rid of all that um, um, superficial and, um, you know, they equivalent it to that gashmits um, and all that stuff that you that weighs you down. You want this holiday to really make you feel like freedom and, and free up the spirit and feel good about things. So I think you've got to get in that type of spirit that this is a time of, cleanly, you know, of cleanliness, of you know, cleanserizing, of clarity. So you can look at it as a spiritual kind of you know, lifting also. Um, you know, leads us into how to make a cleanup easier. A lot of people say, you know, so, so much work, there's so many dishes, and there's so much food, and there's so much um, mess.
1: And yeah. Clean and then, up, and that
2: matzah is all over the floor. Right, and
1: then some people end up like with the family. Lots of people are sitting around or relaxing, and then you'll just have one or two people who end up, uh you know, doing all the work, and it makes right. you know, them very stressful for just right. a couple of people. Like, you know, very often it's the moms or whatever, but yeah. it could be just the mom and the dad, and then everyone else. So,
2: yeah. Right, right. So I would have a lot of trash cans around so you can clean, you know, clean as you go. You can also get a good broom or swifter so you can clean up the matzah right uh when it falls down. So you just a lot of it's maintenance. You know, you can put a lot of the leftovers in Ziploc bags so you don't have to have so many containers to clean up. Or I like going to, um, we have Smart and Final here. That's where they have those plastic deli containers. You know what I'm talking about? They're clear. Um, oh,
1: yeah, we save those and use them for storing all the time.
2: <laughs> good. So you're going to get some clean ones, and you're going you're gonna to put your extra leftovers in that. So after you finish it, you can just throw it away instead of storing it in a pot or a real dish, and then you have to clean the dish later, you can just store it in disposable.
1: Yeah, especially it's if a, your space or your um, resources are, are limited.
2: Right. And also, um, it just makes the cleanup easier, you know, as you go. Like, for example, if, you're, if you have a Cuisinart and you've graded everything and grind everything, you might be able to pack up that Cuisinart and seal it up and not have to use it anymore. A lot of people like to cook in the beginning of the Yantav on Monday, you know, Sunday and Monday and make double the portion, double the Kugels and have it for the end of, for the second days. Right. So you might be finished with that, uh, processor or the mixer. So some of the cleanup can be done early on. Sometimes after the Seder, you can put away half of those dishes because you're not going to have 20 people anymore for the second half. You're only going to have 10. So you can put away those 10 di- extra 10 dishes. So you can kind of clean as you go during the holiday. And this might also be a time <clears throat> when you want to maybe get the housekeeper to come during the week. Maybe this is the way you want to use your birthday money or your you know, whatever savings you had and give yourself an extra treat. I always have my housekeeper come uh the morning after the Seder, the first Seder, so she can wash it up and you know, clean up and reset the table. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do it. And it's worth it to me to exchange one of those days than a real cleaning day. You know, a lot of people will let their household help go and they'll go, Well you know, she can't clean the bathroom or wash the or run the vacuum cleaner, why should I even have a housekeeper?
3: Right.
2: But it's kind of nice not to have to do your dishes that morning. It's better than, you know, having the bathrooms cleaned. So you might want to give or take something depending on how you want to relax the next day. And if you, if it's too much for you, then just use paper all the way around.
1: Yeah, nowadays um, they have such, you know, they make but, paper or plastic that looks really good anyway. Oh, so. I
2: know. You almost, I've seen some women who wash their plastic because it looks, because it looks so good, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's kind of fun um a lot of times you know again putting um your kitchen back in order after Pesach makes it so much easier the following year for example i know that when i open up my cabinets i am the first thing i'm going to see is my recipe book and my um my tea my kettle because i need my kettle to um make some coffee or to use it to uh, a or something last minute so the things that i open up at the uh, you know right away are the things that i need first and what's most exciting is to save something that you totally enjoy looking at only for pesach for example i have a little sugar bowl that i bought in italy about 13 years ago that i only use for pesach and I feel like I'm going to see an old friend. When I open up that beautiful little sugar bowl, I'll go, oh my goodness, I get to see it again. It's exciting to open up that cabinet. The same with my Pesach coffee mug. So you want to buy something for yourself this year that you will look forward to using this year and the next few years, the next years. So it's kind of exciting to welcome up, you know, new New thing, old things that are really new things almost because you haven't seen them in a whole year. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, we have the same thing with, um, there was a couple of foods, uh, like a couple, like these meringues and these cookies that my right. wife made last year that would be good all year round, but, mm-hmm. you know, she's just like, you know what, we should keep certain things just for Pesach so right. when they come, it's like it's exciting and you get, and it's a new food, not just the same old right. whatever we're having. So it's a similar right. kind of thing to that.
2: Right, 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 <clears throat> right. So that's kind of, um, an important area, I think some of the time-saving trips. you know, I gave a, um, wrote an article one year in one of the magazines about Pesach on a budget, and if you are concerned about the last-minute expenses, you probably want to not get caught up in so many of the commercial boxed items like we talked about when we opened up the show about, you know, buying all those macaroons and um, mandelbreits and cake mixes, you might think of dessert being fresh fruit and um, making homemade sorbet.
1: Yeah, we started doing that a couple years ago. The homemade yeah. ices
2: is great. Yeah, so that kind of thing. Or you might think about um, making a recipe that only has three ingredients in it, potato, salt, and pepper. You know, does it have to have eggs and potato starch? And you know, mayonnaise and ketchup and, you know, nuts and almonds and you know, some of these recipes they should live and be well, but these cookbooks are way too extravagant. There's so many ingredients and it's a pinch of this and a pinch of that. Meanwhile you have to buy the whole thing for five ninety nine. You know, it's not you only need a pinch of um cumin, but you have to buy the whole Whole jug, you know the whole container,
1: yeah, how many years can you keep the same bottle of cumin you know,
2: some, yeah, some people don't mind keeping it for several years, but a lot of times you know you don't you don't have the space or so you want to be healthier, so or you want to use a natural spice, so I would go for um you know that whole thing about uh eating what doesn't come out of what doesn't come out of a box except for the matzo, right, you know, so you can't. You can make potatoes five different ways. You can make it into french fries. You can make it into mashed potatoes. You can make it into a baked potato. You could make it into um, a scallop potato. You could make it into sliced potatoes, and you can slice it, dice it, and, you know, uh, cube it in so many different ways. And it looks different, and it tastes different because of that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who really likes the Pesach food and the meat and the potatoes, and I love matzah and all that stuff. So I'm not personally someone that has an issue with necessarily needing to come up with a bunch of different and new things, but I know right. that there's, you know, many people out there, you know, do they need like that to kind to of excrement. thing.
2: Right. So I think that that is a cost-saving budget-free tip. And the other thing is that halimoid, if you want to take your kids out, sometimes that can get expensive, but sometimes getting together with another family can solve that problem, where you're all meeting at a certain park or museum or indoor activity back east or an outside thing here. Sometimes that in itself is, um, you know, a fun thing. I always tell my kids that they can save their Hanukkah money, their Hanukkah guilt, and buy a new toy for Pesach. So that's what I've always encouraged them to do. In early years, they used to save their Hanukkah money. They used to go to Disneyland over Pesach or oh, Magic nice. Mountain. Or Yeah, so they got kind of, you know, use it when you need it, you know, when you need it the most and when it's most fun. So there are some cost-effective places to go that are low-budget because the idea is to be with the family and to take a fun picnic. Um what kind of questions arise with you, Randy, uh, with you, uh, from me?
1: Well, I have to say, I was actually, I've been going to this, uh, class with this rabbi who's been talking about different aspects of Pesach and the idea of, uh, and he was actually, it, interesting, he was talking about how, um, the Pesach Seder is not only supposed to, it's, there's a focus on the children, but it's also supposed to be, hopefully, adults also can find a way to sort of make it new and, uh, and make it interesting for themselves. So each year for us as well, it is a is a growth experience. And but he said something which he asked, and I don't know if you, uh, as having a uh, Baruch Hashem, being blessed with a, a wide range of uh, children of different ages, mm-hmm. do you find it difficult to when you're sitting at the seder? make it, like, inclusive of everyone, or do you have to sort of, like, mentally divide it up? These kids will do this, these will do that. Like, how do you approach it to make it, if you have to do this, if you have to make it, like, all-encompassing for everyone at all times or whatever, like, how do you uh, approach it?
2: Right. So what I we do is we have every a few things. One, we have everyone read a paragraph of the Haggadah. It's not just conducted by my husband. So we go around the room, around the table, and everyone reads a paragraph. You know, both in Hebrew and in English. Mm-hmm. So they're in. So the adults are involved, and the kids are involved. And the kids, you know, they get the candy, and sometimes we throw the candy at the adults if they ask a good question. So we try to really involve everyone um, of all ages. Try to get everyone to say something. Every every holiday, I ask my people around my table to remember one of their first Pesach. And one of the things that they enjoy most about it, so we all share, I ask them that question. You know, tell me what what you remember most about your earliest Pesach, and what part of the say did you enjoy the best? So we go and everybody gets to say a little bit about themselves and about what they enjoy. And people like to hear themselves talk. <laughs> and that's... The- <laughs> and that's the key, is to get everyone talking, because isn't that what the word hagadah means, to talk and to have a Seder in an order? So the whole thing is to tell the story over again. So I think we need to get the table talking.
1: And do you feel like you make a point of like making the kids stay at the table or really be part of it, or just yeah, for a little bit and you let them do their depends, own? Again,
2: again, it depends how old they are, right? So. If the kids are under five, they're only going to maybe stay for the Manashtana, which is the first 15 minutes. You know, you're not even going to, they're going to do the, sing the Seder song and do the Manashtana. So unless they've had a really good nap, they're going to fall asleep before you get, you know, you get further than that.
3: Right, especially you, this year. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: going to be late. But if you have like an eight-year-old or ten-year-old who took a nap, they you have to remember they come home with this really fancy Haggadah they made at school. And I'm so kid-oriented. I hold up at Haggadah, trying not to embarrass the kid, and say, look at this fabulous project. You know, Avrami, can you tell us more about it? What was it like making it? You know, um, you know, let's share. Let's talk about it. Make them feel really good about it because they're going to conk out pretty soon. You know, so you might as well enjoy them at the table while you have them. So some of the kids get really tired and you know, might have a meltdown. So that you have to be prepared for and think of maybe having, you know, a pillow for them at the table or a special treat. Bring out dessert early for them. You know, bring out the chicken soup when it's, you know, you didn't even get to that stage yet. You know, make it accommodating. I always try to make a little mock Seder for the very young before we even sit down for the Seder so they can have the experience.
1: Right. And I guess we should, uh, one of your messages, like we, uh, Those of us running the Seder can't be rigid about, oh, we're only up to this now, so therefore everyone must go with this. You kind of got to be, especially with kids, a little bit on the flexible area. Yeah,
2: because I think it is all about the kids. Now, about the adults, you know, I always ask, my husband always asks the adult people at the table to come with the Devar Torah, to come with something to say, and we ask them to either say it at the meal part So we can get to that part or do it when we want them to and say, you know, did you prepare something? And then everyone gets to say something. I don't think it's as hard as you think if you're not tired. You know, the whole thing is not to be tired before you sit down. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing is to really take a nap, to get the excitement out there, to realize it's only once a year. Um, and to realize it's such a special time for the family to sit together, everything looks so new, everything is so clean. Um, I don't know. I, you know, as an organizer, I have to admit it's my favorite holiday. I love to clean de or you know, declutter, organize, get new things. I love talking about. I love making food without using a recipe book.
1: And you like a That's, seder. You like things to be the seder. I love seder. It. I love
2: heaven. <laughs> So um, I don't think you have to make it. I think the time to make it fancy and explore is Shavuos when it's two days. <laughs> or Hanukkah when you can, you know, fry and do things and everyone's kind of just happy-go-lucky. They're getting, you know, money or or presents, you know. Right. I think those are the days that are not stressful. I think those are the days to clean your carpet and paint your house, you know. You know, or, or Pesach's really a time to be family-oriented, to be have the right perspective, to be clean, to be organized, to be happy. Right. You know, we're free, right? We're, we live in this place that hopefully we can really um, cherish the holidays and our tradition.
1: Right. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. Um, I've been speaking. This is Executive Assistant Navrami, and we've been speaking with the traditional home organizer, Esther Simon, and it's been a great hour, very informative. I know I got a couple of ideas that I'm going to implement this Pesach. Sure. Hopefully, the listeners did as well, and it was just—it uh, was just really great. So, thanks great. for coming on and uh, and speaking with me. Great, thanks and, for uh, inviting
2: me. And, and you can always check my website, traditionalhomeorganizer.com, dot com. And if you have any last minute questions, you can email me, and um, I'll be happy to answer and be there for you.
1: Well, thank you very much. And uh, so, one more time, that's the traditional. Ho- not the, it's www.traditionalhomeorganizer.com for Esther Simon, and uh, full contact information is there. And uh, thank you very much, Esther, and uh, have a Chag Kasher V'sameach, a wonderful Pesach holiday.
2: Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye and this uh this is executive assistant of as i mentioned and uh we're pretty much ready to sign off here i just want to let everybody know uh that you should be uh, sticking around uh after this uh after we're done we have uh, the ou presents uh, the jewish reaction uh actually we might have a replay of uh, of this week's teen spirit next actually and then the ou presents the jewish reaction then uh, mayor ferdig hosts the uh, stunt show this week Nachum Siegel brings you the Thursday Night Extravaganza at 7 o'clock. We have spin class with Michael Fragan uh, coming up after that at, um, at uh, 8. And we have the Book of Life with Charlie Harari coming up at 9. So it is a full day of programming that you guys have to look forward to after this is done. And uh, yeah, I'd like to, uh, I guess, uh, thank uh, Nachum and Miriam and Randy for giving me the opportunity to host my first talk show for the Nachum Siegel Network. Hope everybody enjoyed. Hope everybody will have a Chag Kasher Vesameach, a happy, healthy, and uh, peaceful uh, upcoming Pesach holiday without too much stress and without uh, too much indigestion due to the uh, various foods. Take care, everybody, and have a wonderful Thursday.
0: Let's give them something.